You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense. Double tackle, defensive end. If he's over him, if he's not, he drives down the first man to his inside. Pull back and get him. Take the first man outside the offense. No one shows. Your right by this and field inside. If the YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. If the YN has the linebacker in, he comes all the way around. If you look at this play, what we're trying to get is a seal here and a seal here and try to run this play in the alley. What's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you want to email the show, you can send a message to PackersTotalAccess at gmail.com, and you can text the show at 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside a couple buddies tonight. We got Tim live in Green Bay. We got Emilio uh, down here in Tennessee. And excited to talk a little Packers. You know, we got a lot of injury news today. Um, we uh, we kind of had some things shake up, right? You're going to have some starters that are probably going to miss a little time, which is going to give some younger guys an opportunity to step into a starting role. And, you know, you never want to see anybody get injured, obviously. Nobody's rooting on an injury. Um, but you got to try to find the positive in everything. And if anything right now with the way the season's going, it's turning into a, a evaluation season. You know, many, many people looked at this as an evaluation season anyway. Now we're kind of getting thrust into it, right? So let's see what this roster's got from top to bottom, see what pieces need to be uh, kept in place moving forward. And I'm excited to kind of dive into all that. We're also going to talk about Jordan Love and his evaluation real quick. You know, we broke down the tape yesterday with Chalk Talk, me and Emilio did, and kind of gave our opinion on Jordan Love's performance. I feel like he took a step forward from the previous week, right? And you're starting to see where that that floor is. Um, we're going to talk about the statistics, right? Where he ranks across the league and, and completion percentage, touchdowns, all that stuff. We might get into some advanced analytics as well. We'll also talk about the PFF side. What we want to do on this pod all the time is give you multiple angles. We want to give you the game tape, right? We want to show you, okay, here's what we're seeing on tape. We want to show you the statistics. We want to show you the PFF and the analytical side. We always want to cover all the bases. And then we'll wrap up kind of doing the same thing with the overall roster, you know, we talk about the shakeup from the injury report. We want to kind of look at it and go, okay, who's going to be stepping into those roles? Where are they grading out PFF wise? Is it going to possibly be an improvement? Um, you know, obviously there's going to be a little more inconsistency, I would imagine, but just to kind of give you a glimpse into the future of where the baselines are right now and where it may go in the future. But let's go around the horn real quick. Tim, how was your day, buddy? Busy, man. On the road, off the road, back home, just in time for the pod. I'm happy. There you go, dude. Roll, dude. How about you? How, how are you doing? Dude, I looked at the forecast for Sunday's game, and I'm doing great. They're seeing 30, <laughs> 37 degrees and like a 20% chance of flurries. I'm like, come on, dude. It's Lambo weather, dude, baby. The, temp the temperature broke um, this afternoon already. Like, even yeah, this right. morning, it was like still like, like 60s, high 60s. Felt beautiful. Man, it's already chilly out right now. I can imagine by Sunday it's going to be uh, mighty cold at Lambeau Field. 
definitely. They were originally saying some rain, right? And then oh yeah, said, I was like, oh, yeah, what is the forecast? And I looked it up, expecting rain, and it said twenty percent chance of flurry. Well, twenty one percent chance of flurries. Which Emilio, you're in landscaping, you know exactly what this is about. The fact that they try to break it down to a one percent is so comical because they miss it so bad every day, don't they? Just because the 20% is 20% of the entire area of that. It's not even, you know, you think it's 20% chance. It's not even that. So, uh, yeah, I hear you. I took advantage of the 80 degrees down here. I blew, blew a little bit of leaves around and cleaned up. To try to get the uh, honey-do list uh, knocked out when you get a little free time, you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's like me and Tim talk about, man. Get that done before the football starts. That way you got a little bit of credit. That's that it. A little bit of credit. That's how you got to play it. All right, let's do this. Let's hit the chat real quick. We got us a full house. We got Omar in the chat. What's up, Omar? We got United Bates, Boz, Zane Strong. We got Chris, um, everybody rolling in. We got SO Turtles. What's up, man? Um, let's see here. He says, let's go right to this one real quick, just to kind of get this out of the way. Uh, offensive line should be Caleb Jones, Jenkins, Tom Runyon, Nyman. Okay, so what you're su suggesting there is Caleb Jones over Rashid Walker. To the best of my knowledge, he isn't hurt. We'll hit the injury report here in a second. Um, but uh, what do you guys think about that? I mean, this is we're going off cuff already. Tim, when you look at that offensive line there, do you see anything you would like to see different? I mean, me personally, I, th I think I'm still leaning toward Rashid Walker. But at the same time, man, um, probably wouldn't hurt to try Caleb Jones at left tackle. Well, you're, you're kind of a closet Caleb Jones fan, aren't you, Tim? Um, I'm out of a closet now. Come on, man. We don't have to, we don't have to hide. We love Caleb. We love Caleb Jones. Um, I just haven't, I haven't, uh, I haven't seen enough of him on that side though. Um, most of what we've gotten to see was right tackle. So, um, we've talked before about how it's not super easy to move from left tackle to right tackle and vice versa, but, Mm -hmm. I hear the argument that, you know, it wouldn't hurt to to mix it up, but I feel like that kind of just speaks to, well, screw it. Let's just, all bets are off already. Let's just start plugging guys in, playing guys here. It's like, I'm not ready to go that far yet, um, but I do. I love Caleb Jones, man. I'd love to see him get snaps, um, but it's got to make sense. Yeah. Um, and I, I really think guys just need to play to their, their potential. We're not, you know we talked about maybe asking these guys to do a little bit more than they're probably capable of. But I think if, you know, JRJ and, you know, guys like um, uh, Josh Myers can just continue to, you know, do what they're expected to do, like play to your actual potential and, and right. not subpar. We're seeing subpar performances and that's where it hurts too, too much mistakes. And, you know, that's where it gets difficult, but I'm not ready to, uh, put the offensive line in the in the jar and shake it up just yet so gotcha yeah and like i said we'll hit on the injury report but it sounds like myers missed today of course it being unlisted or unknown i guess of what his injury was or or the reason he missed it could be an illness it could be a family issue you know it could be a multitude of things but uh we kind of talked about that wonky uh you know injury that he that he kind of had there in the game but uh, Emilio, what do you think about that offensive line shake up there man how do you see that uh I, I, I guess Caleb Jones would be my big concern um, just because we haven't – I mean, we really haven't seen him play live game in an actual game setting. Uh, he – Jenkins would be good. Tom's good there at center. We saw that he can get to the second level if he's if he's blocking off. Like, and um, Nyman 
The only thing I had a problem with Nyman was it um, back in the Atlanta game when he was getting more playing time, it didn't seem like he was uh, physical at the point of attack on like a run and stuff. He can block. I mean, he can pass block, I feel like, but it's just uh, um, a little bit tough there. I, the, only, the only one that would hang me up would be Caleb Jones. Uh, I honestly, I, I think Walker's getting the hang of it, and he's really a decent pass blocker um, off the edge when they're not trying to slip underneath him. Um, but I, I think he, he, they'd be working on that. Got it. Good stuff, man. All right, let's do this, gang. Let's uh, let's kind of talk about the injuries real quick. All right. Um, had a lot of news break today. Uh, it seemed like my phone went absolutely bonkers when everything started rolling in. So what I'm going to do is start off with a Rob Domofsky tweet that he sent out, okay? And let me get this off of here real quick. I always forget to do that. Um all right, so Rob tweeted this out, and I'm going to start at the bottom and work my way to the top. You guys don't worry about, um, you know, actually seeing what it's saying here. I'll read it off. Again, this screenshot on this computer sometimes, it makes it a little light, so that's probably why it's hard to read. But here we go, starting, you know, from the oldest up to the most recent. Jair Alexander was back practicing after missing Sunday at Denver. So is Devondre Campbell, so great news there. Not practicing. Eric Stokes, Darnell Savage, Josh Myers, Luke Musgrave, okay? And then – he quote tweeted that and said, also, Aaron Jones went through stretch with a helmet but was not on the field for the start of the drills. The next tweet, he said, Matt LaFleur said, uh, running back Aaron Jones did not practice today. Um, let's see. Uh, he said, said Matt LaFleur, quote, he's just a little bit sore, which is to be expected. Hopefully we can ramp him up and get him more snaps out there. The next tweet, he says, another one going to IR for the Packers is Eric Stokes with the hamstring injury. Matt LaFleur said they believe he will be back this year. Um, and then the final tweet, he says, all the moves the Packers made today are now official. To the injured reserve, you've got Eric Stokes and Darnell Savage. To the roster, you've got cornerback uh, Robert uh, Rochelle, I think is how you say it. It's a little bit uh, a little bit bright there. It's hard to see. He came from Carolina's practice squad and cornerback Corey Ballantyne from obviously our own uh, practice squad there. Okay, so on top of that, we're going to jump right into the official injury report. So for the Packers, you've got Jair Alexander limited, Zane Anderson full participation, Devondre Campbell limited, Elton Jenkins limited. Uh, Aaron Jones did not participate, although, like Matt said, it it's, sounds like everything's okay. He's just a little sore. Luke Musgrave did not participate, so that might be a little bit of a significant injury there. Josh Myers, now it's listed as ankle, so he did not participate. Yash Nyman. Uh, limited participation with a knee. Christian Watson, full participation for Christian Watson. That's great to see. And then Devontae Wyatt, we were a little worried about. He got carted off the field, and uh, he was limited today. So he actually practiced in a limited fashion today, which I think is uh, is pretty good news there. So, uh, yeah, with that being said, um, Tim, we'll see if we can figure out the static, buddy. If not, don't stress it. Um, it could be a, a multitude of things. It could definitely be on my end, too. But what did you think about that information there? Anything stand out to you as far as the injury report? I know first thing that pops to me, obviously, Josh Myers, if he misses, you're going to see that shake up, right? And then, of course, Eric Stokes just can't catch a break. And there's many people that are kind of going at the front office, Tim. They're saying, hey, look, you know, it sucks that you finally get Eric Stokes back. He plays special teams and gets injured on special teams. But uh, what's your take on that entire injury report there? What sticks out to you the most? Well, I don't see Stokes on it. So that's good, right? No, Stokes, yeah, Stokes is uh, on our now officially. Oh, I get it. Okay, yeah, so, so they put him back on our. Yeah, that caught me off guard too. I'm like, what? Is that a well, taco? <laughs> well, I think I think that's why. I mean, 
what happened with Stokes is not, I don't want to say to be expected, but mm-hmm. uh, we could, we should accept it. And that's why he was only playing special teams downs is because, you know, you're not going to just throw them into the water. You got to kind of get your feet wet, get your feet underneath you. And, you know, things happen. Um, could have happened on any other play too. Um, but uh, as far as the, uh, the injury report overall, um, yeah, Devontae Wyatt is uh, good to see him at least participating and, um, you know, Josh Myers, I, I guess, ankle, they're saying. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that could mean anything. We've had, you know, Devon Dre Campbell's had an ankle here for, you know, the better part of two months. So, yeah, that's a lot more weight on that ankle, too, right there with Josh Myers, right? That's we right. Really? It was just, it was so freaky. It looked like he just stepped and a little stinger up the foot and bam. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a, uh... It's strange for for sure, man. Um, there was something I wanted to hit on here in the chat that caught my attention. Let me see if I can find it again. Um, somebody made a comment. I believe it was about Aaron Jones. Um, oh, I can't find it now. Basically, they said it doesn't it doesn't matter if Aaron Jones is hurt or not. Here we go. Omar said it don't matter. Matt won't get Jones the ball anyhow. You know, here's here's what's crazy. Like I don't want to say crazy, but it's a conversation piece for sure. Um, I've heard a lot of people saying, well, he's he's not healthy. That's why he's limited. That's why he's – and I'm going I, – I got to be real, guys. I, You know, I'm not saying that this is the correct way to look at it, but I, I'm not going to BS either. I'm going to tell you exactly what I think on this situation. He has been limited or out for how many weeks now? Three, four weeks, right, since Chicago, right? So at least four, maybe five weeks now. Is the training Is the training staff that bad? that they misdiagnose something to where you think he's going to be able to go, oh, he can't go again. Well, we're going to try him again. Well, he can't go again. But Not that you need the extra roster spot, but my stance is if you're going to have to limit how you use him, then don't play him. Like, mm-hmm. you know, all you're going to do is keep tweaking things. And on top of that, your, your offense can't get this momentum going, right? They can't get in this groove, this, this rhythm. If it's, okay, the game plan like we talked about, it was last week, right? Not not the Broncos, but the game before that we kind of felt like, oh crap, the game plan was geared around Aaron Jones. Well, you can't uninstall the game plan. And now you go into game day with a game plan geared around Aaron Jones or at least a certain amount of it, and you don't even have him. I don't know, man. Am I am I being too critical there, Tim? Like to to think like, how are we this bad at at understanding exactly how bad the injury is that we don't just say, all right, let's sit him down until he's hundred percent and he can take on all the reps. Does that make sense? I mean, it does. I think there's an argument for both sides. I mean, what you're saying does make a lot of sense, but you're really asking yourself, is some is some Aaron Jones better than no Aaron Jones, you know, like at the end of the day? And, and, you know, difference in philosophy may say, well, we'll take him at 60 to 80 percent and play him limited and get what we can. And it's better than nothing. Um, There's plenty of people that are going to say the otherwise, you know, the other side of the coin. And there's validity on both sides of the argument. Um, I'd love to see Jones utilized more, but I've always said that he's, you know, we've known this since he came to green Bay since, since day one. And it's not a handle him with kid gloves kind of thing, but it is, you have to keep him under a certain microscope when it comes to his reps and how you're utilizing them. We we know this, Uh, but at this stage in his career, you know, when we need him the most and we need him as much as we can, we're not, we're not seeing it. And that's, 
that's cause for concern because, you know, in the off season, that was the talk, you know, this, this offense is going to run through Aaron Jones and, you know, we're going to make plays and we haven't seen it. You know, we haven't really seen the, the explosive plays from this offense uh, recently. So yeah, I don't know. It's tough, man. Yeah. Jeff Schultz in the chat says a blessing. The Packers aren't being broadcast in the Southwest on Sunday. I'm ready to flush the Packers from my attention span. It is the same bad things week after week. Sigh. Hey Jeff, what's cool is you're still hanging out with us in here, buddy. And we appreciate that, man. There's uh, I was, I quote tweeted Matt Ramage earlier. I ought to play the video. It's hilarious. He cut a video from a pod. He did. Did you guys see it? <laughs> I didn't get a chance to see it yet. No, it was gold, man. He, uh, he went on this rant about how, basically Packer fans are there's there's a a portion of Packer fans that are saying I told you so about Jordan Love you know quote unquote not being good and again I'm looking at it like guys look we're six games in has it been ideal no but do I think he is a a bad quarterback you're not going to convince me of that yet right there's been some bad moments we broke it down Emilio game on the line missed a couple open receivers with his reads right um but uh Basically, Matt Ramage, man, he he went on a little mini rant. <laughs> he said, I told my wife I wasn't going to talk about this, but here I am talking about it. But I've been drinking, too. And he moved on to the next topic. <laughs> there it is. Classic. Oh, man. Ramage. I love that guy. Absolutely love him. Um, all right, he was a blast to hang out with during training camp, man. Oh, yeah, I shout out to Ra- Matt Ramage. I bumped into him a couple of times. Real good, dude. We need to get him back on the show, man. Uh, I just absolutely love talking ball with him. He invited me on his show a little while back, but it was at the same time, you know, that we were going live. And I was like, God, I, I'd love to go on. I need a good laugh with the way this is. <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, let's see here. Um, let's go to Jake Shavink, and then we'll move on to the next topic. Jake always dropping that knowledge for us. Um, he said, I wonder if we're going to see an offensive line philosophy change at all in terms of pro signing slash draft picks. Seems like something where Goot, Matt LaFleur need to be on the same page. Completely agree, Jake. Um, you know, I, I was – I came out of that game after watching that game live in Denver. Um, my initial reaction was um, I didn't I didn't like the game plan, right? And I don't – I couldn't even tell you why I felt like that. Of course, I go back and watch the tape. I've now watched it four times through. Me and Emilio went through and did the uh, – the uh, breakdown, and I came away after watching or after doing chalk talk going, I didn't have a problem with play calling. There was a couple things, like like we talked about, Emilio, the, you know, obviously the the throw the ball 40 yards across the field laterally to gain eight yards, don't like that. Didn't like the Tay Wicks reverse. And I know some people's arguments are, well, if it worked, you'd have liked it. That's not the point. Like, Of course, we're not going to be complaining if they gain 20 yards on a reverse. The, the point is you put yourself in a position to stall a drive taking that extra risk, right? And you're, I understand you're trying to hit an explosive, but trying to hit an explosive with lateral yardage, just it's just too much of a risk. And, of course, we've seen the the throwback there to uh, to Christian Watson on the sideline where you're running the play-action boot. We pointed out, like, Emilio did a great job saying, man, why not have the, the H-back leak there to give him at least a little safety, uh, a little safety valve if you need it? And that would have been a nice little game, but – Outside of that stuff, as far as the passing concepts, you know, see, you've seen a lot of slot cross. You've seen uh, several things. I didn't like the all-go on the last drive, but, hey, it worked out, dumping it to A.J. Dillon. If anything, it cleared everything out for Dillon. And, hey, tip your cap to A.J. Dillon. I feel like he had a good game, man. That, that's the type of A.J. Dillon we're wanting to see moving forward for sure. But, again, the, the run blocking, you've seen a minimal amount of sifts. 
You've seen a minimal amount of double pulling guards, that type of thing. So to go back to Jake Shavink's comment there, yeah, man, I completely agree with them needing to be on the same page, um, especially with the offensive line. You know, and and the problem is when Matt LaFleur took over, you ran a lot of zone, right? Outside, inside zone. And then in 2020, you the off the defenses were adjusting with those wide edges. So they started running a lot of duo. And then they started mixing in power and leaning heavy on the RPO game. And they were really playing games with the defense. Granted, you had a quarterback that had world-class release as far as quickness in your release. And then in 2021, same type of thing. You were you were full-blown RPO West Coast offense. And then in 2022, everything kind of caught up to you, right? And what you have left now is a multitude of running schemes, which your offensive linemen weren't capable of performing. And like Mike Wallace pointed out so many times that, you you, you know, it's just you're, you're asking the offensive line to do things they can't do. And, and he always reiterates a great offensive line can do anything. But this this isn't a great – he didn't say this isn't a great offensive line, but it's kind of like he said it without saying it. Like, if you got a great offensive line, they can do anything. But this isn't working. I'm like, got it, Mike. All right, that's, that's the proper way of saying that. So, um, yeah, Jake, I, I completely agree, man. I think there is going to be a little bit of a shakeup. I hope Goody – isn't one of those GMs where he's just so stubborn he's not willing to adjust a little bit and uh and again let's let's back off the athletic score a little bit and focus on a little more of the tape um I think that would that would help too so Wait, let's hold, go ahead before we go yeah man go ahead um that pull that up real fast look at it now and uh and savage off we have got to be close to what is it 90 million now um, that, uh, that probably isn't on the field. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, even we, we, we were probably close. I mean, if, I guess if you include, uh, Aaron Jones, uh, we'd be North of a hundred million dollars. That's not on the field right now. Not, not playing for us out of what we get 200 and change. Mm-hmm. So we're playing with the one hand tied behind our back right now that we don't see every Sunday. Um, it's, it's a lot of, uh, of, uh, hidden yardage. Um, but it, hidden money, I guess would be the, uh, the, more close term. Yeah. And you, you've got to, you've really got to take into consideration. You, you got to, you got to put that into the pot, right. When you're cooking up this, this stew of, okay, true evaluation. Like right. I think there was a number, it was two, three weeks ago, Tim, where it was like, we're playing with 39% of our salary cap right now. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, come on, dude. <laughs> and I've been critical of Matt LaFleur, you know, not helping himself out. Right. Um, and that's I think that's even the even more frustrating parts like Matt, like he you can't expect these all these young guys to do everything right. You've got we've got to tone it back. And he's probably, you know, sitting in his office thinking totally the opposite. And that's why he's a head coach. And I'm just a dumb neck <laughs> on a podcast trying to, get- <laughs> trying to get anything to work. But uh all right, let's do this. Let's move on to Jordan Lowe talk. But before we do, I want to hit on a quick video. Emilio brought this to my attention. Um, Jaden Reed in the locker room, and he actually talked about the skill positions pulling together. And, you know, Emilio kind of alluded to this. And, Tim, you may have, too, there a couple weeks ago. Like, you need to get these guys together, get on the same page. Let's listen to what Jaden Reed had to say. Yes, we're all together. You know, we, we met as a group um, yesterday or two days ago. We met as a group to say what we see on the film and we all watched it together and we watched it and everybody is looking at it from the same eyes. So I think that was really good that we did that this week. And uh, 
that's just going to help us tremendously going out there on Sunday competing as a group. Was that the offense? Was it? The it was. Receivers? It was the jo Jordan and the receivers and the tight ends. You know, all the skill groups. Just seeing what we see in the secondary. Yeah. Just looking at that that kind of stuff. So there's good collaboration. Between yes. You, you and the offense. No doubt. To figure this thing out. Yes. No doubt. I think we're all working together. You know, trying to figure out what we need to do to be better. So. All right. So. I know you guys got excited about that. Look at Emilio up there. <laughs> well, let's start with Tim here because I know you're excited about Emilio. Tim, what do you think about that, man? Jordan getting the guys get and go, hey, look, let's get in the film room. Let's let's in the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're gonna get some high value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's get a little extra tape, right? Let's let's go. The only thing I'm missing was, you know, get that offensive line group in there too. Let's just <laughs> like get them all in there. We all need to be watching it. Um, but you know what it is? Is it's guys that are you know holding themselves accountable. They've been doing it since camp started. I saw it. Um, you know, we're struggling right now. Football teams struggle. Um, you know, so you you have to band together. You have to to be a cohesive unit as an offense, even if you have other guys that are, you know, being asked to step up, you know, any moment, that's how this game is. Um, I can't wait to see, you know, the depth of this roster because it's coming guys. It's going to be a long season. We have no bye week. So, you know, formulating a plan with your skill group and your quarterback is great. Um, and if we can get this offensive line to, to start playing a little bit better as a unit too, I think this offense can be deadly. I think they can put up 30, 40 points a game. I really do. We haven't seen it, but I believe they're capable of it. That's my thoughts on the matter. But yeah, seeing Jaden Reed, uh, you know, talking about that is, is just uh, makes you feel good. You need some positivity right now as a Packer fan. Absolutely. Emilio, let's, let's hear the excitement, dude. I know you're fired up about that. About time. Like I said yesterday, 
I need somebody to call a, a remember the Titans. Everybody get in the gym, turn the lights down. Take we them to Gettysburg, man. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> and and Lisa did it in the film room too, because that's the that's the biggest thing. Jordan loves seeing one thing from his perspective. The receivers are seeing an, a defensive guy right in front of them. They break on the route. What are they looking for? When does he want their head around? All that little bit of timing is things that they can practice but they're not going to get that actual timing, timing down in a game until they run it in a game. So even if it's the first time they run the play in the game, you know, first time ever running it, these are the little things that that they're learning on. I wish it came a couple weeks ago. We could have worked on that all, you know, break sort of thing, but Hey, they are professionals. They do not want this taste in their mouth. How much do you hate losing in, you know, a a game of Uno or, or blackjack or something like Imagine that every Sunday and just getting punched in the face every time. You don't want that, okay? Um, so I'm ecstatic that that the team is coming together. I love that he pulled all the skilled players, like Tim said. Um, maybe maybe bring the bring the O line in here and there. Uh, but um, besides that, it's everything that I think the team, uh, a young team like this, needs uh, something to rally behind um, and kind of build off of. And I think that's a, a great uh, platform for them to start from. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, we're, what, six weeks in, right, six games in. Let's take a look at where the offense ranks before we talk about Jordan Love, okay? Because I personally feel like the offense is – one thing that you can kind of attach to the quarterback's ability to pre-snap read, in my opinion, is the success of the offense. You know, you're not going to have a successful offense – with a quarterback who has a bad pre-snap reading ability. And you'll notice we showed it several times on Chalk Talk. You see Jordan Cannon, right, Cannon to plays. He's got command. You see him uh, running the RPO actions. So there's another pre-snap read determination. Okay, here's where I'm going with the ball if everything reads out the way I, I want it to read. So when we look at it in points per play, you guys know two statistics I'm very fond of, both on offensive and defensive side of the ball, is points per play, in yards per play, okay? So in points per play in the National Football League this year, okay, Green Bay is at .372. That makes them the 11th highest offense in the National Football League. Now, some of you guys are going, Clayton, we just had a horrible offensive performance against a bad defense. I completely agree. But remember the old caveat, any given Sunday, right? When you look at that statistic, that's that's another thing too. Like when you look at that statistic of being 11th in points per play, in the last three games, they're only 0.292. So, again, right now, overall in the season, 0.372. Over the last three games, 0.292. So it's taken that into consideration. You can see it was significantly lower the previous three games. So it's just something to keep an eye on. Again, I'm not completely sold on where they're at, right? But take this into consideration, too. In 2022, Green Bay's points per play were 0.352. This year, they're .372. Granted, we played a weak schedule up to this point. I think we would all agree with that. You know, the the Saints were probably the best defense we've played so far. But all that's information we need to take into consideration. And if you take 2022's points per play number and put it into this year, that would make them 16th, which is the slot where Minnesota is right now. So comparatively speaking, in a vacuum, right, of course, you've got where we've increased from 16th best to 11th best this year in points per play. I'm going to try to pull this up real quick here, too, and see exactly where yards per play were. Go ahead, though. The points per play, like we were talking about in Chalk Talk last night, and we've talked about previously, this offense is not on the field a lot. 
we had four minutes of possession, um, three minutes into the second quarter, it felt like. So they're not on the field a lot. So points per play, they're, they're efficient when they're on the field. It's when we go three and out and we're gone. Okay, that's another six, seven plays, eight, nine plays at other offenses, 15 play drives that they're getting that we're not, especially in the first half. I mean, if you look at points per play in the first half, we have, we're probably 31st or 32nd. We've, you know, one touchdown, a couple field goals. It's, it's not good. But yeah. in the second, we're tearing it up. But again, it's offensive plays. It's not like the entire, um, you know, points per game sort of thing. Right. And when you look at yards per play, Tim, you see, you see kind of the, the rest of the story. Yards per play were 21st at five yards per play. Okay. So, Take that into consideration compared to last year, the Green Bay was five five point five. Okay, which this year would put them in the eleven spot. Ironically, so you right. kind of see those two statistics somewhat staggered, which would probably put you in the ballpark, if I had to guess, of overall around the fifteenth best offense in the league when you take both of those metrics into consideration. But um, anything you want to say on that, Tim? Anything stick out to you there, man? Um, kind of like, you know, Andy Herman touched on that, the yards per play. Um, even when we got ideal hat count and a good good look, you know, ideal play call, ideal situation, we're still getting the bare minimum of yardage. Um, something is just off. I don't know what it is. Um, but, yeah, when you look at the numbers, it is interesting because the way we feel as fans looking at the record, we wouldn't believe we're the 11th to 15th ranked range offense right now you know yeah. whether yards per play or or points per play yeah so. right right and uh mike Hebring always brings it back to the defense points per play goes up when your snaps are low because the offense can't stay on the field and the defense is allowing long drained i guess talking about drives um it's a it's a valid point for sure mike but uh, i didn't read your first part i was going to jump on you man i was going to hold up man what about those three and outs big dog <laughs> but you mentioned it in there right they can't stay uh can't stay on there for those uh those those long drives and and yeah the defense that's what it's designed to do the only alternative to that is give up a big play touchdown and get off the field quick right, right. which would you rather have me personally i would rather have a longer sustained drive and give up a field goal than a short sustained drive and them score a touchdown and i think you would agree with that but uh I never, I never understand that argument when, when people get upset that they're long drives. Like, yes, we all, we want the defense to make them go three and out, but you're not going to do that with backup linebacker, third string, fourth, th- fourth string cornerbacks, right? Now yep. we're down to the third string safety. Uh, we're right. also down to a third string defensive tackle. Like, but they have uh, though. What's crazy is they have, they have uh, yeah. been, but not broke. You know, like that. It's crazy holding teams to field goals despite a long, you know, sustained drive by the offense, man. And and to just, you know, they do, they tend to tighten up as they get near, you know, once you're in the red zone, that's always been a a trademark of Joe Barry defenses is they they tend to tighten up when their backs against that goal line. And, you know, I don't know how good that is, but. (laughs) Right. And, you know, the other thing too, is like, the goal is at the end of the game to give your team a chance to win, both offensively and defensively. What we've seen all year long is the defense get a stop toward the end of the game and give the offense a chance with the ball in their hand, less than you know five minutes, four minutes, three minutes in the game, go down, score, and win the ball game, right? Like 
there's not much more you can ask a defense, especially one that's that banged up to do. Now, I understand the offense is very inexperienced. That's a valid argument, too. But uh, I think what you're seeing, man, is just uh, is is this uh, this team that's young and developing and uh, kind of trying to find their footing. Now, it could be a blessing that we played a soft schedule early, right? You kind of get some of those lumps out of the way, figure out what's working, what we're good at, what we're not. And maybe they can buckle down here in the second half, which, if I remember correctly, was kind of a staple um, for uh, Matt LaFleur's offenses, their teams, you know. Um, right. it, it seems like they do kind of put a little run together. Now, granted, that was with the Hall of Fame quarterback, but we'll see. All right, let's talk about Jordan Love specifically here. Let's talk about first um, the PFF passing grades, okay? Uh, we're going to start there. Then we're going to go to SIS and talk about completion percentage and things like that. So when you – Look at the quarterbacks, an offensive grade. Okay, keep in mind Jordan Love, his uh, rushing grade, his running grade is a 76.6, okay? And to put that into perspective, that makes him the 10th best rushing quarterback when running the ball, right? So that's going to skew this offensive grade a little bit. But offensively, even with that, he's 26 in the entire National Football League at a 64.1. I'm going to list off some of the quarter. – I'm going to list off the the five quarterbacks that are ahead of him here, okay? Josh Dobbs, Daniel Jones, Joe Burrow, which Joe Burrow's having a bad year, Um, Tyson Badgett. You know, the backup quarterback for the Chicago Bears is grading out higher than Jordan Love right now. Granted, it was one game, right? Jimmy Garoppolo, Tyrod Taylor, obviously Brock Purdy – Ryan Tannehill, Baker Mayfield, C.J. Stroud, rookie, Justin Fields, <laughs> um, significantly higher, right? Russell cool. Wilson, Justin Herbert, then Dak Prescott. Now you're getting into the top ten. Um, when you go strictly passing grade, all right, let's break that down real quick. Strictly passing grade. Jordan Love comes in at 27th, okay, to 64.1. Higher than him is Jameis Winston, uh, Tyson Badgett, Derek Carr, Deshaun Watson, Joe Burrow, Justin Fields, Brock Purdy, Baker Mayfield, Jimmy Garoppolo, C.J. Stroud, Russell Wilson, Ryan Tannehill, Tyrod Taylor, Justin Herbert. You know, they're some, I think, starting caliber quarterbacks, but I wouldn't consider them good, right? So PFF is pretty hard on Jordan Love this year so far, okay? With that being said, how do you guys feel about that grade? Tim, I'll start with you, man. How do you feel about uh, the uh, Jordan Love grade there and kind of where he sits? Do you feel like that's pretty accurate to what we've seen? Do you think it's a little harsh? What do you think? Man? I think it might be skewed a little harsh, but not by much. I think it's a good indicator of the type of year he's had. Uh, inconsistent um, with flashes. Um, one throw looks perfect. Then you see three that are terrible. So I I don't know what to make of it. Uh, seeing some of those names – ranked higher than him though does kind of make your stomach gurgle a little bit um and not just uh the two chicago bears quarterbacks but there's a few other few other guys on that that list too that kind of make you cringe but uh i think um you know jay love has gotta he's gotta play his way out of this we gotta give him an opportunity to play his way through uh the struggles that he's had right now because this is a team that's struggling not just a quarterback that's struggling by himself. Um, and I think when this offense starts to click a little bit better, um, I think we'll see uh, Jay Love's numbers improve, especially when it comes to things like PFF metrics. Yeah, right. Definitely. Right. Go ahead, uh, Amelia. What do you think, bud? 
and he's trying to do that now. I mean, it starts at the bottom. He he pulled everyone in. All right, how are we going to get better? How are we all going to – how do we all see this? How can we all make a, a step to get this team better to where we want to be? Um, I think the great is fair. You know, he's had a rough season, um, but everyone's going to go through that. I mean, it's growing pains. He's seeing things for the first time, like I said. And honestly, a defensive coordinator planning a game against you the entire time, like he's got a week to prepare – that's a lot on that's a lot just to put on on him um that it's all his fault sort of thing i mean yes he, he's had some some bad plays but um i think it's going to come around i think we just need to be a little bit more patient and uh and give him a few more games i justin field's got three seasons so um I, I think we can give him i think we can give him a few more games got it got it yeah no I, i'm with you i i'm of the opinion i want to see jordan start the rest of the season I want to see what we got. I want a full, hey, look, now there's not – I don't want to come away from the season going, well, maybe we didn't know. No, I want to know, right? And there's some people saying, no, he'll get all next year too. I don't necessarily agree with that if things turn for the worse. If things keep in the in the direction they're going right now, I could see it, right? But, again, off-season evaluation is the most important position on the roster. You were willing to draft a quarterback when you had <laughs> – a Hall of Fame quarterback on the roster, right? right? To sit here and pretend like, nope, nope, Jordan loves a guy. We can't draft a quarterback, man. That's uh, that's pretty silly, you know. You're always looking to upgrade that position. And again, it, when people when people kind of try to understand my perspective on that, I say, okay, cool. So you're saying you wouldn't you wouldn't want a Patrick Mahomes? <laughs> you're saying you wouldn't want a Josh Allen? Right. Like, come on, man. Let's let's be real here, right? So, um. All right, let's do this. Let's talk about the SIS data, okay? You know, the big topic this year, guys, obviously, completion percentage, right? So let's sort SIS by completion percentage. I got a minimum pass attempts of 100 pass attempts, okay? And you climb down here, and you're going to find Jordan Love in completion percentage right now is actually dead last, number 32, at 57.5%. Okay. Now, immediately people say, well, the receivers are dropping passes. They're, they're not dropping as many passes as they did last year. I think they're somewhere around 10th. The last I checked, that may have changed a little bit after the last game with the Romeo Dobbs drop. Um, but as far as completion percentage as it sits, he's dead last with a minimum attempts of 100. Okay. And, and I don't have to read off the names. You guys know that's pretty much everybody else, right? To put it into perspective, roughly 3% three higher is Zach Wilson. Okay. That might be all you need to know. Now, on the flip side, Matt Stafford's at 59.8%, right? Mm -hmm. So we all agree that Matt Stafford's a good quarterback. So completion percentage isn't everything. Accuracy is. So let's talk about catchable percentage. The amount of balls or the percentage of balls thrown that were considered catchable according to SIS, okay? When you go down, um, Jordan Love climbs to 27th, okay? So his accuracy – um, as far as catchable percentage is 80.9%. Okay. Some of the quarterbacks ahead of him there, I will read off. You got CJ Stroud, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Jimmy Garoppolo, Sam Howell in Washington, Justin Herbert, Desmond Ritter in uh, in Atlanta, Derek Carr, Joshua Dobbs. Joshua Dobbs, man, is just a it's wild. He's he's really playing this year. Uh Jared Goff, Geno Smith, Joe Burrow, on and on and on. So again, Jordan Love, completion percentage, dead last. Minimum of 100 attempts. As far as catchable percentage, he climbs to 27. So you're accounting for those uh, those drops. Obviously, um, that's catchable on target percentage. Let's see if it changes much. I can't imagine it would. 25th 
on target at 72.1%. What do you think, Tim, about that? As far as the accuracy, we talk about how important it is, right? It could be argued that it's the most important attribute that a quarterback can have, right? So um, what do you think about those numbers? He'll be in dead last completion percentage and then right around the 25-27 spot when it comes to on-target and catchable percentage. I think it's it tells – Tells us what we need to know right now that he's struggling to to finish these um, these throws. I mean, he's putting balls in catchable, you know, catchable places for guys. Target percentage is pretty good, but he's not completing because he's out of rhythm and he's making bad reads. And what can I tell you? That's something that it's only going to come from reps. That's the only way this is going to correct itself naturally is through progressions in a game. What we always talk about is we just want to see improvement. And, um, you know, if we're going week to week here, we, I don't know. I don't think we're seeing a big improvement. If anything, we've kind of, kind of hit a, hit a plateau here, but um, that completion percentage has got to come up. And if you're not throwing behind guys, um, if you're, you know, a little bit more in rhythm and and on time with uh, delivering the ball, I think that's going to start to come up, but nobody wants to be dead last. Right. I mean, and there you go again with those names on that list. (laughs) now we're not even we're not even on pff we're looking at these numbers now and it's like oh Mm -hmm. i don't know definitely what do you think uh emilio i mean i think it's fair he uh he's he's struggled he's he's had a tough time a tough go at it um but the he's trying to trying to take those steps to get those things taken care of if we can get musgrave not to be bumped off the line maybe Jaden reed hits that dig you know, if we can, if if the receivers take two more steps outside before they hit the inside slant, you know, they set up their guy different. It, it's literally all the little things that build up to to the point of when that ball is about to hit their hands. Um, maybe he's throwing some to save them, like how Rodgers used to do. We, you know, he's thrown a couple deep ones that are just nowhere near it. Maybe he wanted to get it out of the way. You know, we don't know what goes through his head every single time, um, but there's so much more that comes to it before uh before that catch actually happens on the field um there, there's so much to it and i think that he's starting to see how the nfl works and get into that sort of rhythm um and like going into the offseason if he does end up playing better there's going to be so much time for him and his quarterback coach to work on and have literal game film besides just the philly and the chiefs game there's going to be so much for him to see to work on like they do the cutups. Rasul was talking one time all they got to do is ask somebody in, at Packers, hey, let me get all of my third down, um, you know, over five-yard passes. What was my footwork like? What kind of plays were we running? Where, where am I going to go with the ball? Let me see that entire cut-up for the whole year. It could be 45 minutes of, of you know, 10-second plays, but he's going to sit there and study every bit of it. And that's why I do love – I love his work ethic. I love how he handles it. I love how he carries himself. That's why I want him to succeed. Um, but uh, yeah. those numbers are not what we're – or they're not going to cut it in the long run, but I'll give him the benefit of the doubt if he's climbing up to uh, to something uh, down the line here. Yeah, definitely. Now, another thing, too, that, that keeps sticking out to me, guys, I listened to a podcast where it was his personal quarterback coach, uh, Armed and Dangerous. You can follow him on Twitter. Um, I can't remember his, his, his real name, but that's what he goes by on Twitter. Um, he was talking about working with Jordan, and it was an interview I think Tyler Dunn with, did with him. And he said, you know, yeah, there's so many times that we're, we're teaching them how to how to drop a plant foot, how to keep the plant foot down. Um, and he said there's there's many times he goes to throw out platform and we keep telling him, look, 
12 can do that. 12's an alien. That's what he said in it. 12's an alien. He can do that. We can't do that, right? And that's what keeps coming to my mind. And, and again, now we're, we've got actual NFL footage, right, regular season footage of him doing this. And, and it's what we talked about on Chalk Talk, Emilio. That throw that he threw to Samori Torre, the timing was off, but also he tried to throw it somewhat flat-footed, right? And if he puts that thing out into the end zone, Torre may make a play on it. Um, if he doesn't, you know, then at least it probably falls incomplete. The safety doesn't undercut it. Um, and with that being said, you know, you get a, a, another down to, to live for – you get to live for another down. But also, like, when you see the analytics, you see the completion percentage, you see the PFF grade, you see the game tape, and you go back to stuff that, you know, comments that the personal coaches made, it's like they've been trying to fix this for a while, you know. Um, not that they can't fix it. And immediately people go to Josh Allen. And, you know, that's great and all, but Josh Allen fixed it within a year or two of being in the league, right? And Jordan Love has been in the league now for this is his fourth year. And, again, people go, well, he didn't he didn't get game time. And it's a valid argument. But at the same time, these are the things he's working on with NFL coaches along with his personal coaches, right? So it's – I'm not going to sit here and, and make it all sunshine and rainbows and be like, oh, no, he'll figure that out. Right now we have no reason to believe that. Now some of the argument is, well, look at what he's playing with. The offensive line is hot trash, right? They, I've heard that over and over and over. Guys, his pressure percentage, according to SIS, is 28.5%, okay? The only other quarterback in the entire league who has been pressured less – then Jordan Love, according to SIS, is Tua Tungavailoa, right? Now, Tua Tungavailoa's catchable percentage is 8% higher than Jordan Love's. His completion percentage is 71.2%. His on-target percentage is 7% higher than Jordan Love. So this whole, uh, you know, uh, the, the Jordan Love fanboys, right, the ones who go out and go, oh, well, the, the offensive line is playing like crap and he's not getting protected – that's not an accurate argument. It's matter of fact, it's a lie. He's being protected better than virtually every other quarterback in the league. You know, you guys have seen me on chalk talk the majority of the time, especially when I do it by myself, I'll say, watch the clock, watch the clock from the time they snap the ball. Look at how many seconds he's got. Most of the time he's holding the ball for four seconds. Right. And you, sometimes you've got an open receiver. And again, I know some people disagree with that and say Matt LaFleur is the problem. Again, I don't see a problem in Matt LaFleur's passing game scheme where I see the problem with Matt LaFleur and it got a lot of it got fixed this last week. It's going in the right direction is the personnel that he's, he's leaning on the majority of the time. And then the running game scheme, which both got adjusted in this last game. And, and you're kind of starting to see it there with the numbers, but a uh, pretty interesting topic. I don't know, man, I, I wanted to dive into that a little bit deeper and kind of say, okay, we're six games in, let's see where Jordan Love sits. So I'm glad we did that for sure. Um, let's do this. Let's move on now to overall team evaluation, okay? Now, I'm going to try to get us out of here in an hour tonight, guys. That's the goal. Um, so, uh, when you look at overall team evaluation – Emilio's of- cracking up. <laughs> he knows it ain't going to happen, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, when you look at the overall team, all right, remember the injury report. Start with the end in mind, right? Okay, what, what happened on the injury front? You've seen Josh Myers go down. There's a good chance he may miss this Sunday now that we know it's the ankle. There's a good chance he misses time if that's the case. Then Zach Tom will move to center, and you'll have Yash go to right tackle, okay? I'm going to read off our offensive players, the top 10 uh, performing offensive players on this team, okay? Zach Tom, 
80.3. David Bakhtiari, 78. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but it's like, man, it feels like that was six years ago that David Bakhtiari played for the Packers. But, again, he's still at a pass blocking grade of 89.9 in that Bears game. God, we missed that guy. Um, so, Zach Tom, 80.3. Uh, Bakhtiari, 78.3. Ben Sims, tied in, rookie, undrafted free agent, 72.1, right? Now, people are going, well, he hasn't played many snaps. It's a valid argument, but he's now up to 36 snaps, and he's grading out a 72.1, our highest graded tight end, okay? So he gets up above 50 and closer to 100. I'm going to start going, hey, look, don't let your ego get in the way, fellas. Start the best tight end, right? Get the best player out there. See what you got. Aaron Jones, 71.5. Romeo Dobbs, 71.3. Um, to put that into perspective across the league, Romeo Dobbs is the 41st highest graded wide receiver, which makes him a number two caliber receiver is kind of the way I look at that. A.J. Dillon, 68.2. He's the 30th highest grade running back in the league. So in my opinion, for him to be the number two running back and him grade out 30th, I think that's pretty pretty decent. You know, you want to see it higher. Emmanuel Wilson now only has 19 snaps, but he comes in at 66.2. Got Jaden Reed at 66.0. Dontavian Wick, 64.9. Samori Torre, 64.6. Jordan Love, 64.1. Like I said, he's 24th of 35 quarterbacks as far as offensive grades. Now, you get the Yash Nyman, 60.5. Only 23 snaps, I guess, was in this last game or well throughout the course of the year so far, 60.5. You got to climb down to Josh Myers being in the 56.3 spot. Okay. So Yash is an improvement, according to PFF, over Josh Myers. So putting him at right tackle, sliding Zach Tom to center. And you've seen the running game open up in the middle. I don't know if you guys seen AJ Dillon get sprung on that big run. That was right. with, that was with Zach Tom getting to the next level and, and taking care of some bodies out there. So so how many snaps was that? It was like four. He played it was only only four, and it was like Bang, big run up it, the middle. It, <laughs> instant noticeable difference, right? I'm telling you, man. And I know people get upset when I talk about this with Josh Myers because he's a, a good pass blocker. You know, his pass right. blocking grades a 74.6, but guys, his run blocking grades a 47.5. Anytime the argument is steered toward, but he's really good at this, I'm going, mm, you're trying to bend this to fit your argument now, right? Uh, we can't, in one hand, go, this running game's a mess and then get mad when people criticize someone for being bad at run blocking, right? Like, right. Just, to me, it just shouldn't work like that. But, you know, again, fan how you want to fan. But uh, I think I think we would all agree there would be an improvement there. Now, the big part, the the devastating part on offense, in my opinion, is Elton Jenkins at a 54.6. I mean, that's – and you're oh. talking about your, your, your highest paid offensive lineman that's on the field right now, right? That's tough. That really is tough. And and he was the one that made the mistake on the on the last drive. I mean, it's, he missed a block early in the game too. Yep. It's every it's every little bit. I'm not I'm not cutting on to Elton. I mean, I love Elton. He's he's a great lineman. Um, it's we just want we just want answers all the time. So that that's why we're doing. But you know, uh, but uh, I couldn't block a 300 pound guy coming at me. No, but, you're kidding me. Jordan needs to Jordan kind of wants to be able to um, rely on those guys a little bit more and when things like that happen where Ellen makes a mistake and things things of that nature that's where he loses a little confidence maybe or he gets a little more worried hey you know what now we got a problem if Elton's having an issue all right now we got a problem but maybe Zach Tom comes down there they they link up and and we get maybe a wall right there in the front um and uh 
And it's not like he's not used to uh, running, right? So he's used to running, but he'll be on his right side instead of his left. So they've communicated. Ideally, don't shake it up too much. Um, that's why I'd like to say keep Walker there on the side. And if we're going to do that and, we, and we're, we're worried about one over the other, Walker or Nyman, let's put the tight end to that side. If Musgrave's out, let's get Kraft over there. Let's get a chip. There's other things we can do if we're worried about edges. Um, but if we got problems coming up the middle, that's that's another issue. Tim, you ask any quarterback across the league. I've heard multiple quarterbacks say this, that you can handle edge pressure. It's not a, There's no pressure is ideal, right? You can handle edge pressure because you can see it. You can move around it. You can manipulate the pocket. When you get that pressure coming in the A-gap, it's game mm-hmm. over. There's nothing you can do other than scramble out into a sack, right? Um and it's extremely frustrating when you're watching your centers back, you know, to the guy as that's happening. Yeah. And it's like Josh is you know. like waving. Thank you. Thank you for that, Tim. We appreciate yeah. you mentioning <laughs> it's it is though, man. It's tough. And you just watch the film and you're like, Oh, oh yeah, that guy was just completely unblocked. Wow, look at that. That's cool. Yeah. And then you get him out on a screen pass, what, two, three weeks ago. Myers gets out there on a the screen pass. There's nobody around him in the turf monster. He just falls on his face. I'm going, what? What does he do? Like, what does he do? Good. <laughs> he okay, yeah. And that's the other thing about the pass blocking grade. You know, PFF, it, it they're they're going to grade it as they see it. Okay, if you don't make a mistake, then you know you treat it as such. How many times have we seen him drop back the pass? And they're they're in a you know what we call a, a four tech right. Where they're or not even four, but a three tech to a couple threes, like a 33 look there on the defensive front. And he's just kind of popping over and getting a little chip on a on a somebody that the guard's taking care of. You got to take that into consideration too, right? And 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 that in that lies the the problem with moving Zach Tom to center because in pass uh blocking situations where they're gonna rush the quarterback, they can manipulate the front enough to mug the A gap and take your best offensive lineman out of the pass block by going with a wide nine and a four or, or even a five tech with the defensive tackles, you know what I mean, and and kind of uh, neutralize him as where you could have him on the edge being in on every single pass block, right? Um, there's a lot, of, a lot of things like that that come into play too. But, yeah, Zach Tom's grade, pass blocking 74.9, run blocking 82.1. It's not even close. We don't have another offensive lineman that grades out in the 70s in run blocking other than Zach Tom. That's how bad it's been. Uh, Rashid Walker is another one that's got a lot of a lot of people talking. Um, you know, him stepping in at left tackle, overall grade 57.1, pass blocking grade 69.7, run blocking grade 48.5. Um, basically the same exact issue as Josh Myers. He's decent at pass blocking, absolutely horrible at run blocking. So, um it's just wild that that David Bakhtiari can be so good at both, man. It's such an anomaly. Let's move on to defense. Y'all cool with that? Yeah. All right, here we go. Our boy Rashawn Gary. I seen some trade talks in the chat there, boys, and I, I had to I had to look in the other direction. What? Yeah, Rashawn Gary, eighty eight point one defensive grade. That's an elite PFF grade. Pass rush grade eighty nine point zero. Run defense fifty nine point four. But I think we would all agree Rashawn Gary isn't on the roster to go out there and try to stuff the run, although it is important to set the edge. You've seen it. I think it was that final drive where he stopped the drive with a uh, a play on on run defense where he just, you know, Mike Wall absolutely loves him. You see it all over the tape. He's got a motor. 
He's got the physical traits. He's got good feet. He's got several pass rush moves now. His speed dip and rip is just like good luck blocking that dude. He's a he's a freaking monster. Um, so eighty eight point one second is Rasul Douglas even after the bad uh, bad game there uh, with uh, with Denver or at least you know the blown coverage we've seen there um, uh, on the uh, on the bunch formation we broke down on chalk talk. But he's an eighty point seven. Rudy Ford seventy four point nine. If they don't give him a two or three year contract extension, I just I don't know what else to say. He's right. been the best safety the last two years. Um, Devondre Campbell seventy three point nine. We got a good chance of getting him back this week. That'll go a long way. Eric Wilson seventy one point seven with eighty snaps. That's not a small sample size there. Corey Ballantyne sixty six point five. Quay Walker, 66.4 with a coverage grade of 72.7. Obviously, um, his his weak spot there is run defense, uh, fitting the run scheme, which, again, the tape lined up with PFF, Emilio. We've seen it on Chalk Talk, him, him, he and McDuffie getting kind of pulled up into the wrong gaps there. Uh, Dallin Levitt, there's your boy, Mr. Mr. 90s Dance, Tim. Um, 65.5, but only seven snaps, of course. Uh, Devontae Wyatt, 65.1. Uh, let's see here. TJ Slayton, 64.2. Jair Alexander, 63.5. Preston Smith, 62.3. Lucas Van Ness, 62.1. When you got a grade that close, put the rookie in, you know. Um, same thing, JJ and Igbare, you know, 60, uh, a 61.6 overall PFF grade. Now, you had a good grade uh, that last game. He graded out, uh, you know, in the 80s, but, of course, it was only like eight snaps, whatever it was. I'll say the last game, I believe it was actually the one before Denver, if I remember. It might have been Denver. I can't remember. But, uh, yeah, so how do you guys see that? Well, let me mention this. we got to mention the, the the two that hurt the most is uh, is Darnell Savage, 59.1. Obviously, when that's your starting safety and one that's kind of playing in the box the majority of the time, 59.1, you wonder why you're so bad at tackling. I mean, I don't mean to pile on. I don't want to see anybody get injured. It sucks, but uh, that's a tough grade. Kenny Clark, 56.9. He's not even grading out as a uh, high enough to be a nickel defensive tackle right now as far as that goes. 74th, um, obviously you'd need to be in the uh, top 64 to qualify for a nickel defensive tackle as far as PFF is concerned. Then Keyshawn Nixon, 55.9. That's tough. Um, Tim, what do you think, buddy? Jonathan Owens, 55.5. So keep that in mind, guys. Um, Jonathan Owens now has, um, let's see here, 79 snaps. It's not a small sample size. He's grading out significantly worse than Darnell Savage, although Anthony Johnson Jr. has only had four snaps, so we can't really take that 61.1 into consideration. What would you do at safety, Tim? I mean, it's pretty much all, all but done. Jonathan Owens is going to take Darnell Savage's spot there um, when he goes on IR. What do you think about everything we just talked about? Any position you want to hit on, man? Well, at safety, I'd I'd like to see Jo uh, show us what this this is about because he's an elite tackler, so I've been told. But I mean, he's been missing tackles, <laughs> so it's like I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like you know, if you're a if you're known as a good closing uh, pitcher in baseball, right, and you don't have the stuff, then you're not going to be. You're not going to be in the game, man, because that's that you have one job. Um, but not not to say that he has one job, but if that's what you're bringing to the to the scheme or or your strong suit, you know, you got to at least do that uh, effectively. But who knows? Maybe being thrown into the fire for him is a good thing, and we'll get to see that. And being back there with Rudy might, uh, you know, 
They might build some uh, chemistry back there. We'll see. But I'd like to see Anthony Johnson Jr. get some reps out there with Rudy Ford as well because uh, I feel like he could be a, a good influence on uh, on a young player like uh, like uh, Anthony Johnson Jr. Um, so, uh, but the, you know, these low grades, man. I guess we have to apply the same logic that we're we're applying to Jay Love, right? We have to just look at it. Hey, it's six games. Um, there's still a lot of season left. Um, you know, there's nowhere to go, but up, I mean, famous last words, hopefully, hopefully it doesn't get, you know, worse than this knock on wood. But, uh, I mean, it's tough. And, you know, we thought the secondary was going to be pretty good here. At least I did, you know, coming into this year, uh, we had question marks at safety all throughout training camp. So that's not a surprise, but, um, you know, slot corner is uh, a concern of mine, too. And again, I think Keyshawn can turn it around. Some guys may need to just play their way out of these things. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely the weak spot. And with all that being said, too, you see the low PFF grades on defense. It's absolutely horrible, right? Multiple starters just underperforming. Some of you know that's another thing, too, Emilio. You mentioned the 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 amount of salary cap, right? That that's not even on the field. Right. You know, look at Kenny Clark. And how low he's performing. I mean, if you you might as well not have him on the field performing at that grade, right? I mean, and I know there's some people that would disagree and say, no, I don't agree with that grade. But even with all that being said, in yards per play, opponent yards per play, Green Bay's defense is at 5.1. They're 14th best in the league. They're actually tied for 12th best, believe it or not. Now, to put that in the, into comparison to last year, they were at 5.8 in yards per play, which would actually put them – 30th this year so you see how they've improved to 14th and actually tied for 12th right and again i'm going to jump back to scoring defense real quick for the points per play and points per play they're 16th this year at 0.33 last year they were 0.37 which would put them uh somewhere in the 22nd spot so even with all those players according to pff underperforming emilio you still got a defense that's like borderline, you know, top 15 and, and trying to creep into the top 10 in yards per play. Right. And I, that's why I'm like, and again, you, you see those analytics, those statistics and you think, okay, that's just a stat. And then you watch the tape and go, Barry's calling a damn good game. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't understand, like, you know, but what do you think about those defensive grades, man? That's what we've been begging for is, uh, you know, the defense to step up and be elite think about it though Devondre Campbell is not out there he hasn't been out there for a while he was the heart and center of the you know until uh, Quay took the dot um Jair wasn't playing there is a lot of money not on the field and then a lot of money not um you know showing out with Ken- with Ken- uh oh uh oh uh got zapped there for a minute can you hear us Milio? back uh yeah so um so <laughs> <laughs> with uh, with Kenny, you know, you know, struggling here and there, that that's tough. But the um, what I like is Eric Wilson's been in there for what you said, 70, 70 snaps, and he's at seventy percent. Um, what sucks is Owen's been in there for seventy snaps, and he's at fifty percent. I know it's you know uh, linebacker versus safety and things like that, but we just need a little bit more, uh, um, uh, you know, completion uh, from the defense. You know, we need. If Owens is going to be that safety, he's going to have to play the box and he's going to have to make those tackles now that Savage is out uh, just because there's there's really no one else. Unless AJJ comes out there, um, 
you know, it's uh, we really don't have much else back there. I know Zane's not what Zane said. He's full participant now, uh, but he's special team. So it's not like right. we, yeah. we got a bunch of options. Yeah. I'll tell you what I would be doing if I was Goot at this trade deadline. I know a lot of people are talking about selling commodities, and I'm going to hold my opinion on that because, I, you know, I don't want to get into this whole – not not that this show is even close to being big enough to create a rumor, but I just don't I don't want to entertain that stuff. I really don't. And I'm not judging anyone who likes to talk about it. You know, that's great. You know, we kind of mentioned Jair a couple of weeks ago and you, you take a player that's making a lot of money and they're underperforming. That makes sense. The Rashawn Gary thing just blows my mind. It's like that's an elite position. He's one of the best. He's a top three at the position. He's young. You you want to lock him in and make him your TJ Watt. That's what you want in your defense, right? And build around that. But um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's uh, it's one of those things that I'm not I'm not sitting here saying Joe Barry's a great defensive coordinator. You never heard me say that. All I can do is watch the tape and go, okay, why? What happened and why did it happen? And right. every time this year, it's that was a good call. Like that was missed tackles. That was a blown coverage. That was. That's on the player there, right? Um, I, I was cracking up listening back to Chalk Talk, Emilio. When we broke down the play where nobody knew what their assignment was, you yeah. know, talking about where they went kind of quick, you know, quick, you know, ran to the line. Tim, it was hilarious, dude. Like yeah. you could see them from left to right. Rasul's looking at the sideline, like, what are we doing? Right. Quay oh, looks man. over toward Rasul. Rasul isn't even looking at him. He's now looking back. Rasul plays zone. Rudy plays, man. It, if I had to call out what I've seen on Chalk Talk, the play call would be – it would be – I don't even know what you would call it. Rasul was in a curl zone. Yeah. Rudy was playing Meg, man uh, man everywhere you go. That was McDuffie. Right? Yeah. All the way yeah. out to the boundary, yeah. you've got Isaiah McDuffie playing Meg on a running back. It, what's hilarious is everybody's looking around. Jonathan Owens is the deep safety going, what mm-hmm. are we doing? And then I think it was Savage looked at him, whoever it was, looked at him and went, what are we doing? And Isaiah McDuffie, it was like, he's like, I know what's going on right now, and I, I'm not even acknowledging it. I'm just going to cover this guy. Right. right. It was good. a circus, bro. And, and, again, what happened was they came out in an empty. It's obvious they had a check, but the check – you couldn't communicate it in time, which is exactly what we said on Chalk Talk two weeks ago. People pretending like you can just, like Emilio said, hit square than the left bumper, and all right, now you're in cover two. It doesn't work like that. And you can see them trying to get out. You know, It's like in that situation, stick with the original call, and I know people don't want to hear it, but it's exactly what Joe Barry said. Try to survive the down. They've got you. It's either that or burn a timeout. It's mm-hmm. that's all you can do, right? It's all you can do. And I, I can't imagine how many veins would pop out of Matt LaFleur's head if Quay Walker caught a timeout in that situation. Right. You get times. It happens. You lose the It happens. You got to win the game. Haven't won. But there really are there. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's wrap this thing up. We went over. Surprise, right? So we're, we're going to get out of here. I want to thank everybody in the chat. We've been following along with the chat, man. Um, uh, let's see, So Turtles here says, is that due to a lack of communication or scheme? See, that's the thing. You've got a play call, right, for a nickel formation. Or I'm pretty sure that was a nickel 245 we were in. What it tells me, the fact that Isaiah McDuffie went man coverage or Meg, it just tickles the crap out of me thinking about what that actual call would have been. Right. Um, 
him in man coverage on the boundary running back, right? What that tells me was they were in a man coverage look, right? And then when they split everything out wide, it you remember the play where we played kind of a, a little bit of a what I call a, a hole look with uh, with uh, Keyshawn Nixon where he was kind of spying Russell Wilson. Yep. If you'll yep. remember that play, I think they ran a little bit of this throughout the course of the game where the guy who was going to be playing the whole aspect of the cover one hole, it's not a robber, it's a hole where a guy underneath drops into the mid coverage, right? And you still got a deep safety. I think they called something where they're showing man, a man trail approach on a crosser and then fading into the hole. I think mm-hmm. that's what they were doing. And that yep. was probably similar to that call. Well, when you come out and you go empty and you shift things around, what what what's the call going to be? That, I think that's why you've seen some zone, some man in that awkward look. But, yeah, to answer your question, so Turtles, um, what it was was they came out in an 11 personnel. They flexed to an empty set, and when they tried to adjust, they showed them a look that they just weren't prepared for. I mean, uh, you could say it's scheme if you want. Um, you could say it's lack of a communication. It's probably a little bit of both, but those type of things happen. And the only thing you can do is, hey, when they go empty every single time, this is the look we're going to, right? That's all you can do. And maybe that is the, the correct answer, right? So um, anyway, with that being said, there's your extra 10 minutes. We're getting out of here. Uh, Tim, parting thoughts, buddy. Go, Pat, go. I don't care if we don't win another game the rest of the year. You know, don't get rattled, guys, you know. Don't don't get rattled. This is a process. Uh, but I'll tell you this: we damn well better beat the Vikings at Lambeau on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's all I got to say, man. Beat the Vikings. Beat the Bears. Beat the Vikings. Yeah. We'll be all right. Salvage when, the season. When those, te- when those two teams come into town, boys. Oh, we're gonna give them some. <laughs> oh, that's the game plan right there. Yeah, whatever it takes, patch it together. Patch it together. Uh, parting thoughts. <laughs> What you got, man? Uh, like I said, I'm excited for the team. I really think we're on the right track. I think we're uh, making steps to um, becoming a, a one one unit and uh, and starting to get better together. And I'm excited about it. Like I said, I really am excited for the team, even though we've been punched in the mouth, you know, three, four, four times. Uh, so I think that they're going to come out with a little bit of uh, enthusiasm and energy this weekend, and I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I agree, man. And I, I love the way that they're responding now. You mm-hmm. know, it would have been real easy. Everybody just kind of go their separate ways. I love the fact that a young quarterback in Jordan Love pulled his guys together and said, hey, look, we're going to get this right. Let's get in the film room together. And the fact that somebody like Jaden Reed, to see him respond to that, right, yeah. I think – I have a lot of faith in the offense because they're kind of growing together, right? The defense worries me because your most your highest paid players aren't performing up to that level. So now you've got this sense of accomplishment from specific players where they in the past they've been the go-to guys, right? And and it almost makes me I'm not trying to put this on them. I have no reason to believe it. I'm just saying this is what worries me about the defense. When you've got players getting paid that much money, they're underperforming and they're kind of living off what they've done in the past. There's this sense of entitlement that comes with it, right? The only thing that makes me think we don't have to worry about that with Kenny Clark is the quality person he is. You just know he's just one of those stand-up guys. I want to see him rise to the occasion. I want to see this defense rally around each other the same way the offense is right now. You know, 
you you heard what you're hearing on offense. Jordan Love accepting responsibility. Jaden Reed saying the quarterback pulled everybody together. Nobody's pointing fingers. We're going to get together. We're going to figure this thing out. On defense, you hear Jair saying, well, let me play offense, right? You're hearing Rasul say, um, well, yeah, yeah, they're a young offense, but they ain't that young. It don't matter. Like they're, they're, Everything they're saying is kind of combative. You know what I mean? And the mm-hmm. offense is like, look, dude, we're sticking together. Um, so I have a little more faith in the offense than I do the defense. And if there's one thing that I definitely believe that that uh, Joe Barry falls short on, he's not that fiery guy. You could tell he's one of those guys who's going to lead with compassion and, and he wants his players to, hey, look, I care about you. And, and that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. But the great defenses, think of the coordinators that let them. I mean, seriously. The 85 Bears, Buddy Ryan, out there trying to fight Mike Dicka and, and later on in Houston punched a, a fellow coach, right? You got uh, his son, Rex Ryan, in Baltimore constantly starting fights mm-hmm. with, with other coaches. and every, Like, they're very combative. Joe Barry definitely doesn't have that demeanor. But, uh, again, when you watch the tape, though, man, scheme to me looks pretty solid. Yes, there's mistakes. There's always going to be mistakes. Right. Go that Twitter that Twitter uh, exchange I had today. Boy, I, Tim, I stirred them up, big dog. It was bad. I smacked the hornet's nest today. They synced it. I synced it. Yeah, all those people saying that, you know, it's ridiculous that Preston Smith got stuck in coverage. I literally went back and showed T.J. Watt intercepting. Like, Hold up. How is T.J. Watt in coverage here? If this never happened, <laughs> I showed him the James Harrison interception return for a touchdown in the Super Bowl. I yep. showed him Clay Matthews interception return for the touchdown. And they immediately said, well, they're on the line and they're dropping out. TJ Watt wasn't. They just skipped over that and forget that one. They immediately go to the argument that you're really trying to compare Preston Smith to TJ Watt. Where did I, where the hell did you hear that? <laughs> when did yeah. I say Preston Smith is the same caliber player as a TJ Watt? What you're missing the point. It's like the Superman gift where the joke goes over their heads. Like, what I'm saying is when teams empty out and they flex, you're going to have edge rushers get stuck in coverage and zone. One guy tried to convince me that Preston was playing man. I'm going. They think it happened to Sean. They think it happened to Sean. And it would look different because Rashawn – it looks because Preston's so huge out there. <laughs> it would be the exact same thing. And if Rashawn took a pick six to the house, we'd be like, wow, Joe Barry's so smart for, kick, for kicking him out on that play. That was great. <laughs> That was a great design. I appreciate that. And it's like uh, – It's crazy, man. Uh, when it works, it's not a problem. But right. with that being said, though, um, the other thing they said was, well, what I'm saying is Preston shouldn't be standing up out there. He should be dropping in, dropping out like that. And I'm going, oh, you mean like Lucas Van Ness who yep. got burned earlier in the game? Because that happened too. They tried it both ways. It was a look that the Raiders seen on tape and said, hey, look, when we catch them in this look, we're going to force that will into coverage – and we're going to be able to put a receiver over there on them because they like to keep the corner on the boundary, which most teams do. But anyway, right. there's your extra 20 minutes. I'm sorry, Tim. We're out of here, guys. Thank you all so much for hanging out with us in the chat. We appreciate all of you. You guys are awesome. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, if everything goes as planned, I'm going to reach out. Hopefully we can get Paul Brettel on here to spice this thing up a little bit with some actual uh, – Actual knowledge rather than three knuckleheads talking football, right? So appreciate everybody hanging out. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go Pad Go. The power sweep. Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense. Pull back and get him. Take the first man outside the offense. Exactly.